You ready? Yeah. Okay, remember you need to speak up. Ready? What's the word? Reading from the book of Isaiah. A reading from the book of Isaiah. The people walking through darkness have seen a great big light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Light. <laughs> the people walking in the darkness have seen the great light. The people walking in darkness have seen the great light. On those living in the land of deep, deep darkness, a light has been, has dawned. A light has dawned. For to us, a oh, wait, I, what does dawned mean? For to us, a child has been born. To us, a son has been given. For to us, a child is born. For to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Mighty God. And he will be called... Jesus. <laughs> He'll be called me. Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. He will reign over David's throne and over his kingdom. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal of Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. 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 Well, good morning. Wasn't that fantastic? Why don't you bow your heads with me as we begin this time with a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those who are visiting, my name is Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. Again, it's a joy 
to welcome you with us this morning. The title of our message today is The Problem and the Promise, and I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. How far will you go for someone you love? This past summer, I read an incredible story of the unending love of a father for his son, as shared in an article from July 14th by Jesse Young. Here's how the article reads. The abduction of two-year-old Zhao Zhenzhen in eastern China in 1997 sparked a desperate, seemingly never-ending nationwide search by his parents that inspired filmmakers to bring their story to the big screen. But this week, 24 years after his disappearance, the search for Zhao finally came to an end. Police in Langjiang City, Shandong province, said Monday they had found Zhao, now an adult living in neighboring Henan province, and had reunited him with his parents. Video footage of the reunion on Sunday, July 11, 2021, released by the police, shows the family in tears and embracing tightly, crying out, we found you. You've come back. Check out these pictures behind me. Just look at this love. Let's go to the next one. They say a picture says a thousand words, doesn't it? The article continues. Police said they had arrested two people who confessed to kidnapping and trafficking, trafficking Zhao. You see, Zhao had been abducted near his home by an unfamiliar woman, his parents told police, in 1997. Authorities collected DNA, uh, blood, and other evidence, but with limited technology at the time, the case remained unsolved. Still, the case was never closed, and police say they continued to search for the young guy for the last 24 years. Now listen to this. Zhao's father, Zhao Gingting, never stopped looking either. After his son went missing in 1997, he embarked on a search across all of China, riding a motorbike through nearly all of the country's provinces, covering, catch this, 500,000 kilometers. No many miles, that is. 310,685 miles. Let me repeat that. The boy's father traveled over 310,000 miles over the years looking for his son. And he carried with him little except a bag full of flyers and a flag emblazoned with a picture of his son that would go through the wind behind his motorbike. The dad used all of his savings and racked up staggering debt, even going through 10 different motorbikes looking for his son. Nevertheless, the dad could never find the son. But he never stopped looking. And he never stopped dreaming of their reunion. 
Thankfully, everything changed this year when authorities came upon a new lead. You see, they have new technology, including DNA analysis and facial recognition technology in the Ministry of Public Security found a uh, potential match in Hanan. And when officers tracked down the man, DNA testing confirmed it was the missing boy, Zhao Zhenzhen, and thus the loving father who never gave up his search for 24 years, traveling over 310,000 miles, was reunited with the son. Isn't that an incredible story? Let me ask again, how far will you go for someone you love? Let me turn this question a little bit. How far will someone in their love go for you? As we enter the season of Advent and turn our attention towards Christmas, a lot of things will be vying for our attention in the coming days, right? Perhaps it's all the presents we hope to buy or need to buy for ourselves or someone we love. Perhaps it'll be all the schoolwork, right, Brandon? All the schoolwork we need to finish or make up or the projects we need to button up. Perhaps if you're in business, it's all those year-end numbers you need to hit or those budgets you need to balance, right? Or perhaps it'll be the longing or the dread of all the relational dynamics we'll have to navigate this holiday season. Do we spend Christmas with this person? Do we spend it with that person? Or will we have to spend Christmas all alone? As we sit here today, what occupies your heart and mine in this season? If you will, allow me to invite you to pause and rest in Scripture with me this morning and see the real reason for the season. How does that sound? Could you guys use some rest, some encouragement today? Garth's giving me a hard nod. (laughs) Friends, our big idea from Scripture and the real reason for the season is this. The greatest joy and peace we will ever discover is that through the miracle of Christmas, Jesus has come to bring us home. The greatest joy and peace we will ever discover is that through the miracle of Christmas, Jesus has come to bring you home. We're going to unpack this through two points this morning. Point one, see the problem, and point two, see the promise. Let's dive into our passage This morning, Isaiah 9, it begins, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. As we often say here at One Fellowship, we don't believe there's a text without a context. So what's going on in our passage, Isaiah 9, we ask? Well, first, last week we looked at 
preparing the way for Christmas by looking through the eyes of a patriarch, Abraham. And today, through Isaiah, we're going to look at preparing our hearts for Christmas through the lens of the prophets or the prophet Isaiah. So who was Isaiah? When was this book written? Well, this book was written just under 800 years before the birth of Jesus. And who are prophets? Well, prophets in the Old Testament were individuals led by the Spirit of God who spoke the truth of God about sin and its destructive nature and the world's desperate need for a Savior. Fittingly, they were often disliked or even despised because they called God's people out and up. They were called out in their sin and they were encouraged to look up and return to God, the overseer of our souls. And the impact of prophets can't be overstated. In the New Testament, for instance, we read passages like 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, we read. And you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the dark day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thus, the prophets of the Old Testament and their messages were very important. They are very important. And perhaps there's no more important prophecy for the season of Advent and Christmas than Isaiah 9. Most of, us, most of us have heard this passage before, right? Give me a nod. Okay. So what's the message Isaiah has here for us? Well, first, he tells us, Davis, there's a problem. It's the problem of darkness. And its source, understood in the context of the greater book of Isaiah, might surprise us. You see, the problem for the prophet isn't with evil oppressors, though oppression is real and even cited in Isaiah 9. No, that's, what, that's not what he points to. And the problem is also not global hunger, according to the prophet, though God's people often did struggle with hunger as people do today. And the problem you see is, is not a health crisis or a pandemic, although throughout Scripture we see God caring for those who are suffering and sick, don't we? According to the prophet Isaiah, the problem is where? Right here. I heard someone scream, us. <laughs> Leslie's awake. <laughs> the problem is right in the heart of God's people. You see, returning to what Pastor Drew preached on last week, the nation of Israel had been chosen by God in Genesis 12 and elsewhere to be a blessing to the other nations, to the world. And it's called by Moses in Exodus 19, as many of you studied in our study groups this fall, the Israelites were to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation set apart by their purity and their unity. So what 
went wrong, we're meant to ask. Well, as we reach the book of Isaiah, God's people have thrown all of that to the side. Sin in its I know best attitude has wreaked havoc and caused seismic fractures in the family of God by Isaiah 9. And with that division has, caused, has come darkness, spiritual darkness, relational darkness, national darkness, for perhaps there's no greater danger in our world than to be separated from God. And that's the context of our passage. Any history buffs here? Give me a wink. Any? Bobby, give me a wink. I know you're a history buff. Specifically, following the death of King Solomon in 931 BC, the 12 tribes of Israel had split up. They had completely split up and were at war with one another. Like a family that had gone through a horrific divorce, in the south you had two tribes known as Judah. And in the north you had ten tribes known as Israel or Ephraim. And these two groups were not only divided, but they were polluted because they had chosen to forsake fidelity with God by aligning themselves with pagan nations. The northern tribes had aligned themselves with the nation of Aram, which is now known as Syria. And the southern tribes had aligned themselves with Assyria, which would prove to be a massive mistake. So ultimately, we read in Isaiah that none of the tribes, none of God's people had chosen to trust God. And guess what? What does our passage say? Well, according to Isaiah 9, verse 2, the people were living in a land of deep darkness. That's what, that's what it means. That's where it comes from. Or as translated literally, God's people were living in the land of the death shadow. So what happens when we go our own way? Our passage would have us ask. What happens when we take matters into our own hands, be it through pride or fear? Well, according to the prophet, our relationships begin to crack our hearts begin to crumble, and before you know it, the lights go out and we're all alone. Anyone know that feeling? Anyone know that feeling of dread, that experience of darkness? That sobering reality when you come face to face with the consequences of your sin, your slander, your mis- aligned affections or your misguided relationships? Surely, right? Surely we've seen the darkness out in our world and in the lives of others, but what about in our own lives? See, that's where the prophet would have us begin. Now here's the deal. Even the apostle Paul, ironically enough, understood this well. He wrote in Romans 7 verse 15, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Isn't that interesting? And it's this admission, it turns out, by the apostle himself that actually allowed God's light to break through. 
In the same way, I'll never forget a phone call I got from one of our relatives a few years back who had struggled with addiction and infidelity, and infidelity over and over again. And he, he finally said, Paul, I've learned that I can't trust myself. I need help. I need God's help. And just like that, the restoration process began. You see, to truly prepare our hearts for Christmas through the lens of the prophets, we must first admit there's a problem. Like God's people in Isaiah 9, we must admit there's not only darkness out there, Abigail, but darkness in here. Darkness in each one of us. And guess what? It's even here in this room. We're all prone to, prone to wander. We're all prone to say and do things that cause division and discord. We're all prone to botch this thing called life up, aren't we? So point one, Isaiah says, see the problem. And point two, see the promise. Let's have some fun. Kids, I'm going to need your help, okay? What was and is God's solution to all the evil in the world? Did he create a super team of superheroes comprised of Captain America, Thor, Clint Eastwood, Wonder Woman, Hawkeye to form this super team? Did he? No. Okay, thank you. Did God bring together the greatest Minds the world has ever known, such as Socrates, Thomas Aquinas, Booker T. Washington, and Brett Anderson? No. Did God create a new think tank made up of history's greatest entrepreneurs like Thomas Edison, Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford, and Chris McGarty? No. Listen. God's solution to all of the evil in the world was this. He sent a baby. God's solution to the evil in our world was to send us a poor, disgraced, seemingly illegitimate baby. Friends, if, even if you tried, you could not make up a more profound, beautiful, or paradoxical story. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, we read. And now to fully understand and appreciate this Christmas story, we must first understand the rationale behind the posture by which Jesus came and the promise he offers First, let's talk about this posture. Jesus came as a baby. And not just any baby. 
We read in Isaiah chapter 7 and 9, and then in the gospel accounts, that Jesus came as a baby born to a virgin, a poor, unwed, teenage girl. Not only that, he was born in a place called Galilee, we read in Isaiah 9 in the gospel accounts, an area in Israel known for its rejects. Thus, Jesus would have been ill-treated his whole life. He would know the pain of rejection and abuse. Was this an accident, we're meant to ask? Absolutely not. This is God's divine and brilliant plan. Here is why. Listen to this. In the words of social scientist Dr. Brene Brown, vulnerability is the birthplace of connection in the path to feeling of worthiness. In the posture by which Jesus came as a poor, disgraced, seemingly illegitimate baby means he can relate to and cares for you and me and all of us, no matter who you are. If you are someone who grew up with shame because of your family, Jesus can relate to you. If you are someone who faced rejection as a kid, Jesus can relate to you. If you're someone who's gone without, Jesus can relate to you. If you're someone who has felt unjustly judged, Jesus can relate to you. If you're someone who's felt left out, Jesus can relate to you. Do you see the brilliance and the beauty of God's plan? The humility and vulnerability by which Jesus came shows he can relate to you. And Scott, he cares for you, all of you. I love how Pastor Tim Keller nails this point with these words. It is impossible to get into an intimate relationship without becoming vulnerable. And Christianity is the only major world religion saying that God has done this for us. Friends, do you see it? Let it sink in today. Jesus came in full vulnerability for you, Buffy. Now for the promise. For those of you who have physical Bibles, why don't you open those to Isaiah 9 and John 1 and take out a pen and just draw a line between these two books. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Some of you are so obedient. I do want us to see the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Listen to these words of hope and fulfillment as they're written in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that's been made. In him was life. Catch it. And that life was the light 
of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Listen, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Two things we need to see here. First, Jesus is the light prophesied about in Isaiah 9. It's crystal clear. He is the one, the chosen one, the light who's been sent to break into the darkness for you and me. And with this freedom, Isaiah 9 says, comes joy and never-ending peace. And then there's this promise that changes everything. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, the point of the Christmas story is this. Jesus not only wants to free you, listen, but welcome you. Welcome you home. The whole point of believing in Jesus is belonging in Jesus. Belonging to the family of God. In the words of C.S. Lewis, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Do you know that this morning? That God loves you so much, Taylor, that he sent his son in the most vulnerable fashion to call you home, to call you his own. It's a remarkable story. It's a true story. The question is, friends, is it true for you? In closing, I invite you to take two prayerful next steps. Step one, admit your problem. As we approach communion this morning and continue our service, take an inventory of the things you've said or done that might have been out of step with God's will and then confess your sins. Confess your darkness. Cry out to Jesus and ask him to break in so you can break out. Ask him to set you free through his forgiveness. Additionally, if you've caused division or discord, listen, take that next step and go and apologize to that person. I'll never forget a conversation I had about 11 years ago in Greenwich, Connecticut, when an older fellow came to me really kind of upset and he confessed to me that he had spoken ill of me to his wife in his home. And he just wanted to make things right. And I can tell you through that conversation, our relationship was forged so deeply and his heart was set free. So friends, let's admit or own our problem or darkness. 
And second, let's receive the promise. Let the good news of Christmas and the invitation to belong in the family of God wash over you today. You're not alone, but secure in Jesus. For those who trust in him, repeat after me, I belong. I belong. I belong to the family of God. Let this truth guide and define every day of your life. Moreover, understand that you not only belong to a much bigger family in heaven, you also belong to a much bigger family here on earth. You know what it's called? The church. Lean into that truth with us today. As a simple next step on this front, what if we consider doing a random act of kindness or encouragement to someone in this family over the next week, couple weeks? Wouldn't that be something? Friends, let's live out the gospel promise of belonging in Jesus in the Christmas story together. How's that sound? Please join me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son to break into the darkness with his light and his love and to call us home. God, right now, would you call every single one of us home back to the security of your love? We belong. We belong to you. Thank you. Thank you for the miracle of Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.